Hello, it's August 18, 2019, Sunday. We are the International, and this is the 25th episode. 25 shows so 25 far. show, and this is part two of David Bowie, and we're picking up right from we left off in 19, after the Ziggy Stardust, Stardust and right. David Bowie started doing a bunch of shit. Um, also, it's um, Mike's uh, 50th uh, birthday bash. So if you hear us, uh, when I put this up, you want to come down, we're located yep. at 102 we First got Avenue. Food, DJ, everything. There'll it's be, be a food, blast. There'll be DJ, there'll be a lot of rock, rock, punk, reggae, all kinds of all shit, kinds reggae. Of and there'll be some reggae in the back room, too. And, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my lovely wife, Sandy, made all the food come down. All right, we got all kinds of stuff for everybody. All right, so we're going to talk about Bowie again. And we left off with the, the Ziggy Stardust album. Basically, he announced at the end of the tour he was retiring. If you ever saw the Ziggy Stardust movie, at the end of the film, he says, uh, you know, this is the last show I'm ever going to do. Now, obviously... That was a, a bunch of bullshit. It was, it was okay. at Ziggy Stardust. Yeah, at Ziggy it. Stardust. But, you know, it's interesting that he would even go there because at that point, he was selling so many albums, it was ridiculous. All right. Uh, even his back catalog of the albums that didn't do well and singles yeah. and stuff was starting to sell. Uh, the Man Who Sold the World got re-released. Uh, Space Oddity got released. Life on Mars was released as a single and got to number three. And wow. those, were, those were older songs, you know, prior to Ziggy. Yeah. So even the Laughing Gnome, that novelty record where they oh, speeded yeah. up the vocals, that got to number six. And that was like a late 60s song that he did. Uh, he released Pinups in 1973. It's one of my personal favorite Bowie albums. It's just an album of covers, his favorite 60s songs. Uh, he does The Kinks, he does The Stones, he does uh, uh, a bunch of stuff on that that's fantastic. Uh, Pretty Things. Um, that album was released, and uh, at that point in 1973, he actually had six albums in the charts at the same time in the UK. Almost unheard of. Well, he had six albums. Six albums at the same time in the charts that year. Okay? That's, like, that's like unbelievable. Yeah. Not too many people can do that. Right, right. He took a little break. Uh, 1974, he moved to New York City. He was considering L.A., but ended up moving to New York. Uh, that year, he would release Diamond Dogs album. And you had the single Rebel Rebel and the single Diamond Dogs. So yeah. Everybody knows those songs. Um, that got to number five in the United States. Yeah. Uh, that tour was interesting. Um, he had, it was going to be a big theatrical show, probably more than even the Ziggy stuff at that point. He, he uh, hired choreographer Tony Basil. Yeah. Okay, now you know who she was. Right? Yeah. Old Mickey, you're so yeah, fine. Yep, you know, yeah, yeah. Old she's Mickey. In, she's Old an Mickey. easy rider at the end and all that. Uh, there was a documentary of that tour called Crack Actor. Before all this, how about freaking uh, Peter Fonda dying Pe- from Pe- fucking um, Peter, lung cancer? Lung cancer. Yeah, yeah. Rest in peace. Made some good movies. Uh, I, I always liked uh, Wild Angels. Wild Angels. Easy Rider. Easy Rider. The trip. Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry. Yeah, Dirty Mary, great, Crazy Larry. Great, great movies. You know. Uh, Hey, 79, he lived a long life. So. Anyway, uh, there was a documentary of the Diamond Dogs talk called Crack Actor. Uh, and if you watch this, you can really see how uh, Bowie's appearance had really deteriorated. Yeah. He had uh, a real heavy cocaine addiction at yeah. this point. He was skinny as <clears throat> shit. You could see, yeah, he was skinny as hell. His face was very gaunt. 
He was pale looking. He looked terrible. Uh, an album came out related to that tour called David Live. Yeah. And uh, it's a good album. It's a, it's a double album. It got to number eight in the United States. Um, but in the UK, his albums were just... Oh, his albums were charting higher than... Yeah, like, every, like yeah. almost everything was... Number two, number, number three, two, yeah. sometimes number one. Uh, he was selling you know millions and millions of records. Um, it was around this time that he got very interested in soul music. So his sound was starting to change. He called it plastic soul. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> now you had the... Uh, the Young Americans album that came great out in album. 1975. Uh, the great Luther Vandross plays, uh, I mean, sings back up on that. Remember we what I told you? last week, yeah. Um, now, I got to ask you. Is, he fired him because right, he said right. you should be singing on your own album. Yeah, because his voice was that good. His voice was he, that good. He, he didn't want to leave Bowie's band. No, he didn't want to go. He was afraid to go out on his own. He was getting a paycheck. Yeah. He was eating. He was doing good. It's a great good. story. And um, David Boyd is done. You're fired. Now, 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 you always use the expression "young American." Oh, yeah. that's what you're referring to. Yeah, right? I'm always referring always to that. The young that. American. That's a. It's, a, it's like I, as a kid, I probably heard this song like a thousand times. But you know, what was, you know, what was the big hit off that album? Which one? Fame. Fame. Yes. Yeah, and that got to that got to number one in the United States. I remember that video to today. That yeah. was a very popular video yep. with MTV. Like every couple of fucking like every hour on the hour would be yep. on MTV. Yep. Yep. Um. Now there was another track on there. Well, with Fame, I should talk about first. Uh, Fame was actually co-written by John Lennon. Did you know that? No, I did not know that. Yes, and he does backing vocals on that. Oh, he said. I didn't know that. Yeah, he he said. Um, was he, this before the bullet that took his life? This is five years before the bullet that killed him. Damn. Yeah. No, it was after he died, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> he came back to do a Bowie record. <laughs> Hey, um, Paul McCartney came back. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> he came back as an imposter. Yeah. Um, Lennon, Lennon's on record with a funny quote about Bowie. He said, yeah, Bowie's rock and roll, but it's just rock and roll with lipstick on it. Oh, yeah. You That's where the I think it was kind of a sarcastic remark, actually. He probably that, was a little red by him. I think they, he, he, didn't, he didn't bang Lennon. Lennon probably won oh. some of the boys. Oh. It was like Iggy and the other guy. He spurned him. He spurned him. He turned him down. No, Lennon, that's sucking your dick. Well, it was, it was around this time that Bowie actually had done some interviews and admitted that he was gay. All bisexual. Yeah, he was more bisexual than gay because yeah. he always wanted you know, love it, a woman. That, uh, all I'll say about that Later. is, is it, as far as I know, no one ever came forward and said that he was actually you know, with David Bowie in that way. Um, so I don't know. Oh, I'm not even going to discuss it. Are they normally toast? The no, new cell sound was uh, right got him a, yeah. a, uh, a start on Soul Train, an appearance on Soul Train. And it was on that that he performed Fame and then the song Golden Years as well. Um, Golden Years actually was offered to Elvis that year, and he turned it down, which was probably one of the biggest mistakes he could ever have made. Um, Bowie was having a lot of problems starting that year with his manager, Tony DeFries. It was clear that he had to go. His, his contract was crazy where he was getting a lot of money. And Bowie was walking around with pocket change. He, he was, this is the, one of the most successful times of his life. And he really had no money to show for it because of this contract with Tony DeFreeze. Um, Tony DeFreeze had uh, in the contract, I believe, ownership to certain songs, uh, a large, large percentage of a cut uh, for his services. And 
Bowie had enough and, and he fired him. And yeah. it would lead to years of you know legal problems that he would have because of that. But uh, he was practically broke despite all these hits that he but had. But Bowie did that a lot of his career, fire people, oh, yeah. fire managers. Well, yeah, I mean, if, if, if you weren't working, he's, he's, uh, he's going to fire you. That's just how he was. Uh, 1975, he did an appearance on the Share Show. Rob, you talked about yeah, this, I right? About, yeah, yeah, he did an appearance. You, you remember Shout that, right, as a kid? Yeah, it was, it was so weird to see him, and it was like, it was like the odd couple. Yeah. It was like the... Right. It was well, like, he, it makes no Bowie sense. always looked like he dropped out from space, yeah. you know, at that time in his you career. Know, you were talking about the cocaine problem he had. Did he ever... Um, did he ever uh, went to rehab? Do we have any story of him in rehab? <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't think he went to rehab. He actually moved, which I was just going to bring this up shortly. Uh, he would move to like Switzerland and then Germany eventually to clean up and he would get his shit his, together. His shit together. Uh, and eventually he would be totally sober, I believe, by the end of yeah, the 70s. I, I, I did, yeah, because after that, I don't remember yeah. him. I mean, he, he really couldn't, yeah, he couldn't uh, continue the way he was going. He would have oh, died. He would have died. <laughs> he would have died. You know? Oh, Boogie, what are you doing? Um, yeah, because um, think about it. This guy is selling millions and millions in album. Yeah. He don't even got a dime in his pocket almost. So many people have been in that situation. Like, how does that Major happen? artists that, I mean, the Stones got ripped off, the Beatles got ripped off, you know, and eventually they would, you know, even like the, the Sex Pistols, you know, was the number one album for months and they got ripped off, and it took, it took 15 years for that to get settled. Yeah, wow. You know? Um, 1976, he would come out with an album called Station to Station. Uh, this was a clear break from, from anything he had ever done before. Uh, it introduced this new character, the Thin White Duke, okay? Um, it was basically an extension of the Thomas Jerome Newton character he had played in his first movie called... The man who fell to Earth. He's like an alien who's supposed to get water for his planet and like yeah, all this stuff. It's fucking it's a, great. It's a sick movie. Um, that album would be mostly a keyboard-driven album. Uh, Golden Years was the hit single off it. Um, he had actually performed that, like I said, on Soul Train a little bit earlier, just before that album came out. I don't know if you heard me say it because you were talking to a customer, but Golden Years was actually offered to Elvis. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And why did Elvis didn't do it? To turn it down. I guess he was, you know... Interfered with his bacon and peanut butter sandwiches. I don't, I don't know. Probably a real, you know, it had to be a stupid mistake. He should have done it. it would have been interesting. Um, now, when Station to Station came out, he went on a three and a half month tour of Europe and North America. And in Stockholm, he made a Sweden. He made a comment that got him in trouble for a long time. There was a couple of comments related to this. Uh, he said that Britain would benefit from a fascist leader. Okay. Take care, Boogie. From a fast, yeah, that's yeah. The so he said, shit. Yeah. yeah, and at the time, again, cocaine was a big problem, okay? So he was not thinking clearly. It was a hell of a drug. Yeah, well, it still is, right? Yeah. And, uh. Especially Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> we'll edit that out after. <laughs> um. What the, you know, the, the story is that he was interested in, uh, he was always a big history buff and he was reading a lot about, you know, the 1930s and stuff and he was interested in, in some of the right-wing politics, fascist leaders, Hitler and, and Mussolini and, and uh, 
But you got to be like fascinated by these guys. Oh, well, these I guys, read about that stuff but, too, but, but that doesn't mean that you're these, into these it. These guys were yeah. so fucking close to just world domination. They, yeah. they would have just been a little bit and, more. And you got to remember, uh, you yeah, gotta remember Bo, Bowie, Bowie, Bowie would have done was, what they wanted to do. Bowie was a Brit, right? And Hitler bombed the shit out of the British. So, like, if you're a kid and you live through through the that, and you hear okay, this shit, and you're, like, it, you're just like you want to know what the hell happened, you know? So you you're definitely going to be interested in it. Um, but he got shit for that, and he also got busted at the Russian Polish border with Nazi paraphernalia on him, which is, <laughs> oh which, is which is big, which is big time, big time illegal it. in Europe, even now in that part of Europe. You can't have like. You know, any kind of war memorabilia or anything you, like that, you're you know, not allowed. You know what's funny? Like, they consider David Bowie, they, they call him like, back in the day, he was like the pop king. David Bowie? I, I, I wouldn't that, call him a pop king. But that's I, what they would refer to yeah. him anytime with the media, or like MTV. I remember him, David Bowie. Yeah, he was, well, in the eighties, in the eighties, he was more of that. In I the seventies, he was just I didn't consider him. Yeah, that's why. Nah, I, 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 I don't think that, I never you know, understand that term. Acknowledged. But pop in, pop in the seventies was different than pop in the eighties. I thought, know, it was I totally. Thought it was, I thought he was more like pretty much good old fashioned rock and roll. Rock and roll, ex, yeah. you know, and experimental. He was always changing. Yeah. He was always changing his his sound and his look. Um, think about it. he was with Don Cornelius. Yeah. On Soul Train. On Soul Train. He, was, he was one of the first white performers. Not the first, but I one don't know, of the but first. he was one, which they never had many no, white. They didn't have white people on Soul Train. That, that show was so no. cheesy. Yeah, was. I love Soul Train. <laughs> was Soul, Soul, Train. Soul Train was the <laughs> shit, man. No, we got to do. Yeah, yeah. Soul Train. And they do the line dance. Yeah. <laughs> we got to do an episode of Soul Train and American Bandstand and just all the acts that were on. I mean, you know, I would watch both Saturday mornings. You know, that was your thing to watch. But I loved the way after cartoons. Whatever that you watch, like, yeah, yeah, you know? then you went to a club. People never dance like they all get together. They, <laughs> yeah, dance you, they had the latest dances, and Ro- Rosie Perez yeah. got started on that. And I have to, Rosie Perez was actually my babysitter. Whoa, whoa, hey. I don't know if I ever told you. Did you see her nipples? I, I don't know. I didn't see anything. I was looking. You don't remember. I was looking. I was, I was, I was, I was like, I was like, you know, nine years old, you man. Plead the, you, you plead the fifth because your wife's here. Thank you, baby. Thank you. Sometimes he does. But your lip. But your lip. Now, the, uh... But even these, these comments he was making about fascism and stuff like that, it wouldn't end right there because when he came to England to do some shows, he pulled into Victoria Station in an open Mercedes convertible. And there's a picture that, you know, you could take it all different ways, but he's standing in the back of the, uh, in the car as it's coming into the station and he's, it looks like he's doing a Nazi salute. Okay. But he says he was just waving and they caught him. In that no, way, you mean, you mean he was kind of, he was kind of, no, you, you don't see him extend his arm, but you just see him like this, so you don't know. Really, it's hard to tell. I mean, he could. They show it from different angles. You could look it up. It looks oh, at one point his hand looks like this, and then it looks like this. I, I think he was just starting shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. All right. But again, a lot of cocaine abuse was going on, and uh, he was probably a little out of his mind and crazed at that point. Um, 
Bowie at that point was living in Los Angeles for a little while, and he uh, he blamed he blamed L.A. for a lot of his problems. He's on record saying, you know, it fucked it fucked him up with cocaine and everything else. L.A. is a lot of problems. Yeah, had a problem with Johnny and fucking. Oh yeah, that's good. Johnny, Johnny, Johnny complained about all the fucking homeless people on the. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He has a problem. Johnny Rotten was complaining about that. Yeah, he has a problem. So 1976, uh, Bowie would move to Switzerland uh, near Lake Geneva, and he was trying to get his cocaine addiction under control. Um, he became interested in painting, which he was spending a lot of time doing, and by the end of 1976, he would relocate again to West Berlin to help clean up. He was also going to do some work with Iggy Pop and Brian Eno. And uh, this was the beginning of uh, what would be called his Berlin Trilogy. Uh, at the same time, he was working with Iggy Pop on the albums The Idiot and Lust for Life. So he was really working on quite a few things. He was playing on Iggy's album. He was writing his own album. He was playing on his own album. Uh, Brian Eno was helping him with this. Uh, it was a lot going on. They rented an apartment right near the Berlin Wall. And uh, that's where him and Iggy and Brian Eno were living. Um, again, this would be called like the Berlin period, and there would be three albums involved with that. The first being the album Low. Uh, that came out in 1977. And it was clear at that point that Bowie's main influence was something called Krautrock. Okay, uh, Krautrock was a new kind of sound that was coming out of Germany. Uh, it was keyboard-driven, very computerized, sort of robotic-sounding music. Uh, bands like Kraftwerk were at the forefront of that, and, and, and Bowie, always checking out new sounds, he was definitely into that. Um, the UK single, Off Low, would uh, make it to number three, and it was called Sound and Vision, and the album would make it to number two. Now, again, he was very prolific at this time, so he was ready to put out another album, and that would be later in 77, he would release Heroes. And uh, Heroes, to me, is, is, is a masterpiece. Uh, the song Heroes is one of the most beautiful songs ever. That's a great song, He was working with the guitarist Robert Fripp on that album, and it continued with kind of a, a Krautrock-influenced sound. Um, there was echoes of, of, of the Cold War. It was his influence of uh, living right next to the Berlin Wall, what he was seeing. He said he saw people get shot. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, people trying to get over the wall, get shot. Him and Iggy had seen that. Uh, it's, you know, this Heroes is a song, they say, you know, standing by the wall is that lyric. There's a song called V2 Schneider, which is a reference to the V2 rockets from World War II. Yeah. Okay, so there was a lot of, like, German influence on that album. It's a great album. So the people, uh, were people losing their shit because he was singing like this? Well, yeah, I mean, he's, he's in Germany and he just got done... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what. I never understood that whole period he's what he was trying like, to do. It's almost like promoting Nazism yeah. in a way. No, I don't mean not promote, really promoting it, it. But but he was he was making it part of like his theme. He was pushing the buttons. He was pushing buttons. Right. I think that's what it is more than anything. You know, but Bowie was not a stupid guy. No. He knew he knew that you know to, to, to push the envelope on things, you had to do that. But let me ask you, with this, he was still being number one. He was still on top of the charts, right? Well, not as much, okay? Because at this point, 
he had alienated you know anybody that that was into Ziggy and the, and the rock stuff he was getting he was, this was all keyboard driven interesting music electronic sounds I like a lot of it you know what it was it was almost like a, he was kind of new wave in a way before new wave before new wave yeah no absolutely no, I mean but look Bowie was ahead of the curve on everything yeah so he was going back to the 60s I would consider him a rocker new wave kind of at that point uh, you know those albums definitely influenced no not pop I mean the the low album but there's nothing pop about that you know heroes Um, there's a a movie everybody should see if you're interested it came out a few years later um, called Christian F okay it's a German film it's subtitled and it's about this girl uh, young teenage girl that is a big Bowie fan and she gets involved with uh, these teenagers in her in Berlin, West Berlin, and they're all drug addicts. They're all junkies. They're young. They're yeah. like teenagers. Yeah. And she ends up all hooked up on hooked on yeah, dope and everything. Uh, and at the end, they go see Bowie, and he performs Heroes and stuff. You see him in the movie. Oh yeah, yeah it's a good film. Um, you know what's amazing about Bowie? He's doing all this. He's doing this. He's producing people. He's yeah. writing novels. He's sending songs. Um, yeah. And at the same time, he had a pretty good movie career. Yeah, I mean, it started with The Man Who Fell to Earth. Yeah. And he would do cameos in films. Um, I'm going to get into that a little bit he more. He did a lot of cameos. Like, he stayed involved. Remember, remember him in The Hunger? Yeah. Okay, you know, he, he's a vampire in that yeah. movie. You know, he dies in the beginning, but it's, yeah. it's, it's a great scene. It's a great scene. You know? Um, he performed the song Heroes on Mark Bowen from T-Rex's show called Mark. Yeah. Okay, and this was when uh, he would do the final Bing Crosby Christmas special. That he would perform Heroes, and then there's the famous video of him and Bing Crosby doing Little Drummer Boy, that, which you see iconic. every Christmas. Yeah. That's iconic. Yeah. That is so iconic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the best version of that song, as yeah. far as I'm concerned. I, I love when, um, like, I think, I think it was even uh, in the MTV Very Special Christmas album. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for, for Christmas, we'll do a whole talk about that album. Christmas, how Christmas came, songs and everything. And how, it came, how it came through, because that album had some pretty... It was pretty much for AIDS victims. Yeah, it was a charity, right? this guy did... Um, who did the... Hey, U2 was on there, U2 right? U2 was on yeah. but who, who did the cover of Very Special oh, Christmas? Uh, Keith Haring. Keith Haring. Right, the artist did and the that, cover, yeah. And that thing is iconic. Like, just oh, yeah. that style is iconic. Right, right. Okay, so most of 1978, he would be on tour for the Heroes. Uh, he played to almost 1 million people over 70 concerts. Think about that. Yeah. 1 million people over 70 shows. Uh, in 12 countries, by the way. But his okay. album is still one of the most important, like, those albums are still, like, number one. Today. He's on 150 million albums. Well, when he died, his catalog went through the roof. Oh, yeah. I mean, that always happens, but yeah. especially with him. Uh, they would, there would be a live album released called Stage... Uh, which is a, a good album. It's it's one that kind of lost in the shuffle. You don't really see it too much, but it was from the Heroes tour and uh, songs from Low. Now the final album of the Berlin trilogy would be called Lodger, and that would be released in 1979. And that album was um, a bit of a return to more of a guitar sound. Yeah. You had the songs Boys Keep Swinging and I Am a DJ. Yeah, that's that's, that's a, a great song. That's a great song. Uh, that got to number 20 in the United States. It actually did pretty good. It was also that year in 1979 that uh, him and Angie Bowie would get divorced. Yeah, and that was a little devastating for him. No, I no? think he's on record saying he never that loved he her done? anyway. 
I think you know she she supposedly had said something. Because she like, was with him for like ten years. She was right? with him for yeah, exactly ten years, and uh, she would say that their marriage was like a marriage of convenience. And he even told her, "I never loved you." And but they did have you know children yeah. and, and stuff. I mean, who knows? You know, was but then there was a you know there was actually a gag order when they got divorced for a certain amount of years. She wasn't allowed to talk about the marriage, <laughs> and literally when that gag order you know ended, that's when she wrote the book. Okay, and she dropped the whole thing about him finding there. him in bed with Mick Jagger and all that shit. You know, I don't know. Who knows if it's true? And Leonard. <laughs> Iggy, you know, who the hell knows? Um, 1980, they would come out with an album called Scary Monsters and Super Creeps. And it's a great album. Uh, the single off that, Ashes to Ashes. Ashes to Ashes. Right? Uh, funk to Funky. Yeah. We know Major yeah. Tom's a junkie. Remember yeah. that line? Yep. You want to hear something funny? There was a show called Ashes to Ashes and uh, BBC. It was, it was based on that, right? It was based so, on yeah, that because it was that. pretty much about life on Mars. Because they had the show Life on Mars. one episode one time. Yeah. And that, it that didn't sh- last. It sure. No, it was a show. It was a 17-episode epilogue. Yeah. And it was great. And the, and by the time you see, like, you see these guys were asleep while they were traveling right. to Mars. Right, to Mars. And the, there was, like, a little thing. And the and guy... Bo- and Bowie Music was in it. Right? Yeah, yeah. And it pushed the guy back into, like, 1980. He sees oh. the World Trade Center. He's like, what the fuck? Well, where am I? Yeah. yeah. And he was, well, he, he was, like, in the 2000s. And then he went back into the 70s. It's an amazing fucking story. You know, and, and I was watching the video for Ashes to Ashes yesterday, and uh, I have to say it holds up. It's an early video. It's a little cheesy, but I still think it's like one of the most original videos probably ever made. Uh, in the early days of MTV, it was on constantly. I remember watching it, you know, and that's one of the songs that got me into David Bowie. Um, he would be reunited on that album, Scary Monsters and Super Creeps, with Robert Fripp again on guitar. Uh, but he incorporated a guy named jo- uh, Chuck Hammer, Hamner, I'm sorry, Chuck Hamner, um, on keyboards. And, uh, you know, the album did very well. It was recorded at the Power Station studio in New York City, and it was like a perfect mix of, you know, hard rock and experimental music, which brought him back uh, into the forefront, back into the mainstream a little bit more than the last three Berlin albums. Uh, The hit single also on that was Fashion. Uh, Everybody remembers that song. Um, September 24th, 1980, he would start a three-month run as The Elephant Man on Broadway, playing The Elephant Man, John Merrick. Uh, In 1981, there would be the duet with Queen called Under Pressure. And uh, that would get to number one in the UK. 1982, he would have a lead role in the BBC television uh, adaptation of a Bertolt Brecht play called Baal. Uh, He also did the title track to the film Cat People. That was in 1982. Yeah. Well, you just talk about Under Pressure. Under Pressure, yeah. Do you remember the controversy where Ice Ice Baby and Under Pressure were Vanilla Ice went? That song goes, do, 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 do. Mine goes, do, do, Yeah, he tried to say it was different and it was exactly the same. It was the same shit. He just sampled it. Did he ever get sued for that? I don't think so. I don't think he got sued, but I think they had to, I think they gave Queens and Boy got some money out of it. Okay, so I think he, they, he they, did they, get they, sued, they, 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 He had to pay, he had to pay them some royalties. I think he had to pay them some royalties, yeah, because everybody else, they're not, that's the time where everybody started sampling everybody's Everybody shit. was sampling. Every yeah. single rapper, they would just say, all right, we sample that. They would, they, would, they would tweak it a little bit, but you knew where it originally came from. There was 
almost nothing different about it. it was you had to different. listen real close, and there was no different. way you were going to hear it. But I think the dick, you, you don't want to take the dick on the court. The, the, the Did they? I, I think don't the remember. Dick on the court. I think I, I think it might have go and that ding, 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 ding. It he was, was such a dick. Same he was same such a dick for the lies, man. Oh, man. <laughs> you know? Oh, um, but that that under pressure, that that yeah. song, I, I, I mean, remember. you still hear that today. That's always uh, you hear that in the bars, or you hear it on t- on the radio. Yeah, it's thing. Like, it's fucking great song. Yeah, I really love that. Song. Yeah, yeah. Now the uh, the movie Cat People, he would do the title track, and uh, it was directed by Paul Strader, it starred Natasha Kinski and Malcolm McDowell. That was a great movie, and it was a, it was a minor hit uh, in the United States as well. Uh, Nineteen eighty three, big year. The Let's Dance album. Yeah, that's okay. a great album. And Do you talk about him being on The Elephant Man? He was yeah. The Elephant Man Yeah, for I mentioned a while. that. I mentioned it. Well, it was for three months. He yeah. did The Elephant Man. Because I think they even did it on TV. He might have played the character also. No, no. I mean, it was a movie that came out at the same time. No, but, but he they was... showed the Broadway show like on PBS one time. They were showing the show about him doing it. I don't remember that. And then, Maybe. Yeah, and it was David Bowie yeah. as the Elephant Man. And so he they just, actually filmed it. Yeah, and, and it was. I'd love just, to see that. It was just a guy that was getting the form. I think you could look it up. I and knew find somebody it. that went to one of those shows. Yeah, but, but I never. I've never actually seen it. Oh, look it up, people. Yeah, look it up. Look it up. Nineteen eighty three would be a big breakout year. Yeah, for that's a year with everything. Yeah, I mean it was amazing. Uh, Let's dance. It was produced by Nile Rodgers from the disco band Chic. Yeah. Okay. And the title track would go to number one in the United States. Uh, the album would go platinum in the U.S. and the U.K. Yeah. Okay, not too many albums have done that. Uh, tracks Modern Love. Modern Love and is a China great Girl would make it to number China two. China Girl is a great and, song. And again, you know, talk to about Iggy for a second. You know, that was a track that was co-written by Iggy yeah. a few years earlier. And he sang it better. <laughs> you know, I, I, I like Iggy's version better, but I do like Bowie's version. I, I, I like them both, but I like Iggy's I, I slightly gotta, better. I got to disagree. I you love give it Bowie? David Bowie. Bowie's yeah. bad. The video's great. <laughs> the video's great. The video's great. I, and, you know, the videos he did off that album, when you when you watch it now, you're like, holy shit. I mean, it's so, he was, so huge. But he was also beyond, like, like, he was beyond his time. Those videos, they were like big fucking videos. Yeah, big deal videos. Yeah, the they, deal. Were play, they were playing it every hour. And the problem is, you made that visual and the stiff that he did, it's almost like there was this fucking, the guy that sang Sledgehammer. Peter Gabriel. That was a shit song. The but video, the video was amazing. But Richard in the eighties, in the eighties, you you know you could have had that. You had shitty songs with great videos, great and, and it made the it made the song better. It made it yeah. so better. Yeah. There was just, there were a lot of shit songs, a lot of shit songs. Yeah. And then the video came out. Now the, the big the big guest star on the Let's Dance album was Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yeah. All right. He played the big guitar solo in the title track. Uh, Bowie would ask him to go on tour, the Serious Moonlight tour yeah. that followed. Yeah. He turned him down. Okay. Uh, which probably made sense because he was just going to be a background and his career was starting to take off yeah, at that Stevie point. Yeah, Stevie Ray Vaughan has a instead, instead, Bowie got guitarist Earl Slick that year to play. And 1984, he would come out again with another album called he Tonight. He was making an album like a year, right? He was prolific at that point. Like that yeah. was like, holy yeah. shit. Uh, that had the, the top 10 single, Blue Jean. Blue Jean. Okay. Blue Jean. And he actually, I, I can remember this plain as day. It was, a, it was a short film video that he did. Okay. And it was like uh, 15, 16 minutes long. Yeah. Based around this performance of a song called Blue Jean with these people going and see it. 
and he won a Grammy for that. That actually like a yeah. short like a short video. Um, but then who followed him after he did that? Michael Jackson did the longest video, the Twitter video. Yeah. Think about where well, that idea yeah. came from. Right, right. Uh, well, actually, no. You to be honest with you, I think Thriller might have been first. I don't know. If it was eighty-four. Because eighty-four thrill, Thriller was like eighty-three. The, I thought Thriller was eighty-five for some reason. I think Thriller actually came out in the end of eighty-two. The, the, the album, I don't remember and then and then eighty three was all, but all Michael Jackson. He 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 did he did Billy Jean also. Michael Jackson had his own. But that was Billie that Jean. was the first video Not off that album. You yeah, remember that? that was the first video off. When the he walking on the on the street, yeah. on, and all things light up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This thing was lighting up. Yeah. And then, uh, I mean, everybody at that point, if you were a major artist, MTV was was something yeah. you had to jump onto. For some reason, I remember I remember the David Bowie before I remember Twitter. It, you might be right. I, I, it had to be around the, the same time. Because I, I think I think Thriller was more '83 and Let's Dance was '83 and and the the video for Blue Jean was '84. So it was like right right after that. Yeah. It wasn't as big an album as uh, Let's Dance. No. But it was still good, uh, and he was riding high on popularity. In 1985, uh, he was asked by Bob Geldof to do Live Aid, yeah. and he would perform at Wembley, at the stadium there, and then they dropped the, the video with the single with Mick Jagger, yeah. Dancing in the Streets. Huge hit. That was a good Yeah, yeah, that was a good <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was. They were dancing. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of the most colorful videos he did also, because they were, they were colorful. Like well, they were outfits. Their outfits. Outfit. It was ridiculous. Yeah, it was the '80s, man. It was gay glow, neon shit, you know. <laughs> but you watched it. You know, no, you I did. watched it. It was you great. You watched it. Was it. Great. Yeah. It was you had nothing else. They took him into the trailer. <laughs> Here we go again. Okay, now, after Live Aid, uh, he would get a part in a film called Absolute Beginners. Yeah. Uh, he got a small role in the film, and the title track would go to number two in the UK. The album is, I mean, uh, the, the movie's not that great. It's okay. Uh, it was poorly received by the critics, but the music from it did very well. And it was at this point that you might remember... He got the part in the Jim Henson movie Labyrinth. Labyrinth, that was. And that he was plays actually, Jared the Goblin yeah, King. Yeah. Now the image of him as the Goblin King is just a great <laughs> '80s iconic <laughs> thing. Okay. He did five songs for the film, uh, but after that he went back and he made another album, 1987's Never Let Me Down. Uh, this was an album that I have. I was a, finishing my finishing high school that year, and. Uh, I said to myself, I'm going to go see Bowie when he comes. And that was the, you know, the, the Glass Spider tour. Yeah. And okay. that's, you, you and went I got to, to I got to see him, yeah, oh, at Giant shit. Stadium. And uh, that there was an album, uh, Never Let Me Down was the album, came out in 87, and it got to number six in the UK. It did okay here. Uh, there was a track called Day In, Day Out, Time Will Crawl, and then the, the title track, Never Let Me Down. Uh, starting on May 30th of, of that year, he did 86 concerts as the glass spiders. This guy traveled. 86 like shows. Travels. Okay, right. He had Peter Frampton on, on guitar. Wow. You know, at that point. I mean, no, they, Peter Frampton had his own career. Know, he didn't have to do that. But David Boyd had so many people, that so many talented people. That wanted to been, play with him. And they've been musicians. There's hundreds of musicians that came out of his stuff and then he got influence. He's yeah. like, he takes a guy that, like, you know, New Wave probably came out of Boyd. Big 
50% of it. Because everybody was like, it, it yeah. all sounded the same. But and David not only Boyd, that, not only like what would be considered. But David Boyd uh, did it like five years when, before New Wave became uh, new, new. New Wave <laughs> and, and what used to be called the New Romantic oh, yeah, scene. New like, romantic. you know, Adam and the Ants uh, and Duran Duran and bands like that were yeah. huge, huge Bowie fans. Um, 1989 to 91 uh, it would be an interesting period uh, for Bowie. And that was what was the, the Tin Machine years. Uh, he decided to take a back seat in his solo career and play in a band. Uh, the, the original Tin Machine lineup was, well, actually they did two albums, uh, was Bowie on vocals and playing sax. They had a guy named Reeves Gabriels on guitar and Tony Sales on bass and Soupy Sales. They, Soupy Sales kid, Tony Sales, and Hunt Sales on drums. Um, uh, this was a reunion from the uh, the mid seventies Iggy period, where he had the Sales Brothers uh, playing on the Idiot and Lust for Life. So he would that would be that would be Tin Machine. Uh, the first album was called just Tin Machine, uh, and then they had a second album that came out in ninety two called Tin Machine Two. Uh, there was also a live album at that point. I, I I saw him on that tour too. You know what's funny, David Bowie always liked to. Um like most of his albums were either were either sequels or they were trilogy. He would do album and, and to, to continue the journey of another album. Yes. Instead yes. of releasing double album, he would just do two separate albums. Yes. I think that's why he was so successful. You know. Let me say, talk to I think that's why. I think that's why he was so successful because he like like you know what you will be and then he'll sing something then he'll. He'll go back to a song that he sang years ago. Yes. He'll put like, well, like lyrics in this and, song. And what, what, what he would do Holy too shit. is, you know, what, what he would do too is right. He would he would make references to all the yeah. songs, and he would do do periods where he would do emphasize one album more than anything else. Yeah, and it wasn't always the newest album. No, it could be so. One, it could be an yeah, old one. You know, one. Iggy Pop does that too. Yeah, believe it or oh, not. Yeah, yeah Iggy, Iggy does that a lot. Uh, Tin Machine was interesting. Yeah, it, it, sure. it never. Really, it sold well, sort of, but it didn't become the big supergroup that I think people thought it would have. Yeah. Um, I think at that point Bowie was just too big to be just part of a band. Even though he was in front, he was he was lead singing. Okay, uh, it just to see this band with him, I think it just didn't register with a lot of people. Yeah. There were some good songs, and I, I mean, I, I I got to, I mean. I'm, like if I was a few years older, I would have seen him back in the seventies. Yeah. Okay, but I didn't have many opportunities to see Bowie growing up. And, but you and saw the Tim. I saw the Tim Machine at the World. Oh yeah, remember that club? Yeah. Okay, so it was a, a, a smaller club, and I was like, you know, right up front, and you know, he was singing right down to. I mean, it was like amazing. But you know what? He was so big that you got it. It's Tim, David Boyd. Yeah, we're a band yes. now. That doesn't. And register. actually, even in the, what I read about the band itself is, it was supposed to be a band project, but every, the power just became his. Yeah. You know, I think I think even you know the Sales Brothers were accomplished musicians, but I don't even think they could come to an equal level as in a, as in a band with yeah. Bowie. You know. Um, it was during this time that uh, he met Iman. Ooh. Okay, that was in October of 1990. She was the Somalian supermodel. African roundback. Yes, very beautiful woman. Very beautiful, very uh, tall woman. And for Bowie, it was love at first sight. I can relate. Right, baby? Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> uh, they got married in April of 1992. 
Bowie was on record saying that when he met her that night, he was already planning the names of their kids. Holy shit. They had a kid, yeah. right? Just yeah, they one, had one, right? one girl. One, yeah, yeah, one girl. Uh, Ale- Alexandria. Does he have names. a boy, Connor, with Angie? What's it, Connor? Duncan. Duncan, right? yeah. 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 Uh, and he would marry Iman in April of 1992 in Switzerland, and at that point they would move to New York City. And uh, they had that apartment on Lafayette Street that, if you're from New York, you know exactly where that is. When you talk about you went to a party and somebody was trying to look Billy, at David. Bill, Billy the artist was talking about that. Was, Billy, come here. Come here, Billy. Can you come here? <laughs> you're, you're the be, expert. Be, 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 a, be a guest here for a second on the show. Everybody, yeah. Billy the artist right here. So Billy actually went to a rooftop party. And you were turning up that you saw that from the rooftop you could see David Into Bowie's, Bowie's apartment. Place, right? Yeah, yeah. First of all, I had a very good friend of mine that was... Uh, very good friends with him and uh, I saw that serious Moonlight tour myself when I was uh, in 1983 wow. which was just incredible I saw him numerous times good but yeah there was like a, a, a our good friend who uh, works here Claire uh, <laughs> that's what it yes, was yeah, Claire. Claire was there or something right yeah yeah Claire and her, her boy Damien they are, are friends with a guy that like lives in the Puck building and um yeah, they had rooftop party, and uh, you know, I, I tried not to uh, look too much, but yeah, you can look like into his apartment. And it you was said like, it was like amazing looking. Oh right? my god, it was just like uh, you know, forty, fifty foot ceilings and like this massive sound system, and it was like all white and had beautiful artwork and white, white furniture. Was, or what yeah, and he was a, a you know a great collector of. Art. Of art, obviously. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was known he, for that's that. what you say. That he loved art. He was yeah, known yeah. for that. So, uh, no, it was a trip. And, uh, you know, and the thing is, too, is, uh, you know, he was just a great lover of also, you know, theater and musical theater. And so, you know, that serious Moonlight tour was very theatrical. Well, all this stuff was very theatrical. Always was. In concert. Always was. He, he did, like, a huge stage. Like, the guy did it. Like, those, those budget must have been... When I saw like, him on the Glass incredible. Spiders tour, I mean, it was a, you know, the stadium. Yeah. Seeing this big theatrical show, he had Glass Spiders walking around. And if you remember, there was, like, a Channel 7 special yeah. from that, yeah, yeah. that tour. He had a lot of hair at that point. His hair was big. Oh, yeah, you know? big, big hair. I yeah. remember him. Yep. Um, okay, so... Black Tie and White Noise that came out in 1993. Thank you, Billy. Thank you, Billy. Um, would be a hip-hop, soul, jazz, electronic-influenced album that produced by Nile Rodgers. I never liked it. No, I, was, uh, I didn't care for it. It's a bad shit. It was a... It was a <laughs> I, remember when I, I remember when I got the... I, when, I, when I heard it, I looked at the album cover, and he, you know, he had a black tie on it. I thought oh, it was going to be cool, you know, and, but just was not... Didn't register with me, but it did well. Uh, it got to number one in the UK. Uh, 1995, uh, he would come out with um, an industrial music-influenced album called Outside, and that re- reunited him with Brian Eno. It was a concept album based on characters that Bowie were, was writing about in a short story. Uh, and it was this... The, interesting character, What's Brian Eno. Oh, that Brian, very interesting that character. Very we, we, he was in Roxy Music, you know? We need to do a thing about him, because yeah. he's an interesting character. And Robin Fripp, too. Yeah, yeah. yep. Uh, that tour for the Outside album, he would bring Nine Inch Nails on tour with him I in Europe that. and the USA. Uh, he brought back Gabriel's from Tim Machine to play guitar on that. Uh, there was a track on that album I like called Strangers When We Meet. Uh, every song was done from the, the different perspective of these characters that he wrote. It was a total concept album. It was very interesting. 1997, January 7th, 
Bowie's 50th birthday party at Madison Square Garden. I remember that. I remember seeing okay. that. Uh, Lou, Reed, Lou Reed, Dave Grohl. It might even be a TV special. There was. There, there was. It was I like Channel 13 or yeah, something. Yeah, it was yeah. a TV special. Yeah. I remember that. Uh, Lou Reed, Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters and Nirvana, Robert Smith from The Cure, Billy Corgan from The Smashing Pumpkins, Sonic Youth, all played. Okay. I love, I love all On my guys. Facebook uh, today or, or last night, I put the, oh, the Lou Reed, the Lou yeah. Reed and Bowie. It was yeah. great. Uh, 1997, he would come out with the Earthlings album, and the Earthling album, and that had the track. He was work, still working with Trent Reznor. Yeah. Okay. He started working with him, and it was that song, "I'm Afraid of Americans." That's a great. Yeah. yeah that's a great song. Great video. Trent, Trent's in the video. Uh, it starts out, he's like standing on the corner by Christopher Street and 7th Avenue when he gets chased all over the city. And he's in a cab, he's afraid, he's saying, I'm afraid of Americans. Yeah. You know. Uh, he went on tour. I remember that video on MTV, like when it premiered. He's like, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. And it was I'm such a fun, the world. That was so fucking right, good. Right. You know what I think that's a reference to? When yeah. you talk about the fascist thing about England, but he didn't want to say he's afraid of the British, so he made America. There, so no, I actually, think that's what actually, it is. The, you watch the video and I remember reading an interview with Bowie about it it's about gun violence in America oh is that what it okay, was yeah yeah because everybody everybody in the video does a trigger motion with their you know bang bang with, yeah. their, with their hands with their fingers I and I never even they all do, it's that. supposed to be like gun you know against gun culture or whatever I never got that I yeah, never watch, got watch that. the video I, but I never got that from I never got that from I re- the I, re- I read that well yeah, he doesn't talk about guns, but I yeah. think in the video he used that medium to make a point. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> Who the hell knows? It's a I cool thought, video. I thought it was more when he was referring to the fascist statement, how he was scared I think he was it. more saying, like, Americans are fucking crazy. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. compared to, com- well, we are, yeah. Compa- compared to, like, Europeans. Oh, yeah. That just sit around all day and eat cheese and chocolate and yeah. drink wine and, you know. Make love. Make love. Make Not love. like us. We go out. And shoot. We just go out at night. Bang, bang, bang. I always say, you know, it takes a special person to one day just snap. And, and you know what I dig? And, and it goes back to people are just bored, tired, and they don't know what to do. And I think that's why they I have all these problems. I think in some ways we got it too good in this country, but that's a whole other yeah. podcast we can talk about in conspiracy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, we go there. We so, go there. So this video comes out, and I, I never realized. I got to look at it Watch again. Watch it again. Watch it again. Um, things would get interesting now. 1997, he would come out with, and, you know, he was, he was a businessman, Bowie, yeah. on top of everything. Bowie Bonds. Okay. And what it was was he had asset-backed securities that were from current and future royalties of the 25 albums that he did before 1990. Yeah. Okay, so what they did was bonds were bought for $55 million yeah. by a company called uh, Prudential Insurance of America, company yeah. of America. Royalties from those 25 albums generated a cash flow that, record, that secured the bonds, interest payments, okay? Yeah. Now, Bowie forfeited 10 years worth of royalties Got $55 million up front. He liquidated himself. Everything, yeah. Okay? He, liquidated. he got $55 million up front, and then he bought the songs that his fucking manager, Tony DeFries, owned from before. So okay? he buy his record collection. Buy, him out. He had rights to certain songs, and Bowie wanted yeah. them because he wanted the royalties too. Yeah. Okay? And then they liquidated the bonds in 1997 right after that, and 
all the music reverted back to Bowie. To Bowie, yeah. So he so Bowie's it was, library. It was, it, it was a business move, you know. It was it was a great business. It was move. like the slapdick Beatles, that Michael Jackson, all the record. Well, like uh, the Paul McCartney was livid when when Michael Jackson outbid. You know, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean that's that's crazy. And then what? The, Michael Jackson winded up pretty much giving it to Paul, sending it to him. I think he gave up some of them. Yeah, afterwards. he gave. He gave they had it a up. falling out over that because yeah. they were friends. Yeah. Um, September of '98, another business deal was Bowie Net. Yeah. Okay, he was he was a, a pioneer on the internet actually yeah. too. Um, you if you signed up with Bowie Net, you got an email address. And exclusive musical content From sometimes. David Bowie. And that would last for about eight years. 2006, that, that would be closed down. Yeah. But for eight years, you can actually get like a Bowie email. That's right. Yeah. Cool. 1999, he released the album Hours. And uh, it, it, it was the first complete, uh, first album by a major artist that you could completely download. So again, he was at the forefront he of was, that stuff. He was beyond, and it was on the Bowie Net site yeah. that you could do it. Uh, 2002, he took a little break there for a couple of years. Um, he would record the Heathen album, and there was a single off that called Slow Burn that made it to number 14 in the USA. This album, yeah, it did well. Uh, this album, the making of the album actually got delayed because of the September 11th attacks. It was recorded here, part of it, and in the production of it, they had to delay the album coming out because of what had happened. Um, October of 2001, he was asked to do the concert for New York, which was the charity for 9-11. Yeah, yep. And he performed the uh, the Simon and Garfunkel song, America. Yep. And he also did Heroes. Yep. I remember that. I, I think that was on TV, too. Yeah, that was on TV. Was, it was, it was that live. the one at the Garden, right? Yeah, at the Garden. Right. Okay. Uh, the Heathen Tour, he brought back a lot of music from the album Low. Yeah. Okay, so he was, even though it was a new album, he was going back going 15 back. years and, and listening to that. But the thing uh, is, cause he owns his own album, so he could do songs that probably couldn't go before. Cause, no, I, don't think, I think it was just his choice. The choice? Yeah, I think it was his choice. He, he could do, perform anything he wants, yeah. even if he didn't have the rights to the... Okay. He could, yeah, sure. No problem. Uh, 2003, he would come out with a reality album, and he would play in front of 722,000 people on that tour. More than any other, oh, by any artist of that year. Okay, 2003, 2004. Um, it was during this tour that... Uh, he was in Germany and he needed an emergency angioplasty because he had a blocked coronary artery. Oh, yeah, I remember uh, that. Yeah, yeah, and they had to cancel the last 14 shows of the tour. He ended up coming, uh, he did that angioplasty in Germany, but uh, in Hamburg, but he ended up coming to NYU Medical Center here in New York for treatments as well. And this was when he would slow down touring. Uh, he basically stopped touring at this point except for one-off appearances here and there. Uh, he got a Lifetime Achievement Grammy in 2006. And in November of 2006, he would play alongside Alicia Keys at a benefit for a charity called Keep a Child Alive. And that was at Hammerstein Ballroom here on 34th Street. And it was the last time David Bowie would perform his music on stage. Uh, March of 2013, okay, we're fast forwarding a few years. Uh, Bowie would release a new studio album. He was quiet for those seven years. You know, there really was a couple one-off things. He was getting involved with some Broadway, things like that. But he really wasn't touring. He wasn't putting out any music. Uh, but 2013, he would come out with an album called The Next Day. Uh, Tony Visconti would be brought back in to produce. Uh, there was a single off it called Where Are We Now? And it went to number six in the UK. It was the first time he'd had a single 
in the top 10 in the UK in about 20 years. And the album actually went to number one in the UK as well. Uh, it was at this time that he would begin a new album, and it would be based off of a play, partially off a play that he was writing and involved with called Lazarus. Uh, little did we know that 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 Bowie was was sick at yes. that point. Nobody knew. He went. He did he not go quiet. public with it. Yeah. Very few people knew. Only like his inner circle. Yeah, his inner circle. Because um, he wrote a letter to one of his good friends. He wrote this. He said, whole "Please don't say anything." Yeah, and, please don't yeah, say anything. Like, yeah. He wrote this. I forgot who the hell it was. But he had this friend Robert or something. I forgot who the hell. Oh, Tony DeFreeze knew about. It. Oh, not Tony yeah. DeFreeze. Uh, Tony Visconti knew about it. It might have been him that he wrote a letter, like yeah. this long letter that he pretty much said he was dying. And I think I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember there was something that. that came out. Yeah. Now, January eighth, twenty sixteen, was his 69th birthday. Yeah. And he would release the album Black Star, Black Star. which would be his final yeah. parting album. Uh, he died two days later, yep. January 10th. Uh, I can remember waking up for work that morning and it was all over the internet. I couldn't believe it. And that video was so eerie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's the song Lazarus. Yeah. Uh, and he did a video for the song Black Star. Yeah. I rewatched them this morning. It brings tears to your eyes, yeah, yeah. man. I mean, especially Lazarus because he's talking about dying. Yeah. You know, and it's like, damn, man. And his eyes are covered. His eyes are covered like, up. Like, you really don't see his face. In no, the you don't. Know, and even in Black Star, you don't yeah, see his whole it's face. it's fucking like, because you know something was up. The album deals with death. death. Yeah, and he... Like, coming to terms with it. Like, coming to terms with it. And I, and I guess, I, I'd like to think he did. Uh, he had become a, a Buddhist. He was studying Buddhism at that point, and he had asked to be cremated. Okay. By the way, he died of liver cancer. I'm not sure if everybody knows that. It was liver cancer that, that got him. Um, he had it for actually 18 months. Nobody knew. He was quiet with it. But uh, at that point, for weeks, there was an outpouring of tributes and, and affection for the guy worldwide. Yeah. Uh, he would be cremated, and his ashes would be spread over Bali in Indonesia. Uh, 2017, they would come out with an EP called uh, No Plan. I think this, we talked about this last week, last week yeah. and it was basically excerpts from Black Star and yeah. stuff like that. And the Lazarus play, music from that as well. And that would be the end. That would be okay. the um, you know, what can you say? Uh, to this day, it's been over three years going on four. He's still missed. Uh, there's never going to be another David Bowie. Yes, yeah, nobody. He was one there, of a kind. One of a kind. But uh, he was an actor. He was a producer. He was, he was a songwriter. He was a musician. He did everything he had, he had, could do. He had a creative hand in so many genres that it's just impossible to even calculate his you influence. Wanna, you want to hear know? a weird thing? They always wanted him to make like a special appearance. Right. And you're going to laugh about this. The creator of Star Trek always wanted a boy to be like a villain in Star Trek. He, well, he would have made, made a great villain. They changed yeah. it. Like, and yeah. that was something that they, they always wanted to. But I guess, I guess the timing never came through. Yeah. In the, one of the movies. That was always watch. busy. Because uh, remember where uh, Christian Slater did that little cameo in Star Trek? Yes. That was supposed to be Boyd doing that, that, and they changed it because they couldn't get him. So Slayer, I, I think that. Boy was whatever doing the album. He just didn't have the time to yeah. be able to. I mean, he, the guy was always doing something for, especially you know, till the very end. Um, album of the week, Rob. Album of the week. You ready? Yep. Yeah. 
Scary Monsters and Super Freaks. 1980 album, the one with Ashes to Ashes on it. Uh, and the title track is great. I, I always feel that that album gets kind of lost in the shuffle between his Berlin trilogy yeah. and then the pop years with Let's Dance. Yep. It's a great fucking album. It's a, it's, it's a mix of like, you know, hard rock, experimental music. The video for Edge to Ashes is just classic. Yeah. Now I'm going to do a, a song of the week too. What's the that's that's going to be Heroes. Heroes All is right? a great Because Heroes song. Is, is such a beautiful song. It's one of the most beautiful songs ever written. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, the album is great and it stands the test of time. That yep. song, I could play it anytime, never sounds old. The thing is, you can release that song now, it will be a hit. You know, uh, a lot of people have tried covering it. You okay? can't cover that song. You can, but the only band to me that pulled it off was Motorhead. Motorhead, yeah. And it was such a big, partially because it was, and they just did it like right, you know, around the time when Le- Lemmy and Bowie would pass away weeks of each other. Yeah. Back then, between 2015 and 2016. Um, there were like artists dying like that crazy was a stretch day. yeah where yeah, everybody yeah. was dying um, let's talk about some upcoming shows yeah okay we got Social Distortion at the Pier Pier 17 next Sunday yeah okay um, and The Undead are going to be playing the Bowery Electric yeah uh, coming up soon I don't have the exact date for that but I will let you know and The Undead Interview Okay, we'll be at uh, this Tuesday. Tuesday. We're going to interview Bobby Steele and, and Diana Steele. It should be good. Yeah, yeah. And that'll be broadcast. That'll be a video. Uh, yep. we get to see our ugly mugs. Yep. Okay. And uh, everybody, come down to International. Uh, we're having a party. It's my 50th birthday. We got food. We got Rob pouring the drinks. Yeah, pouring drinks. And uh, DJ Jose will be here playing all the best music that I handpicked. Um, and also next week is the big um, social distortion show that we're going to talk about social right. distortion. We're going to do the history of social distortion next Sunday, and then me and Rob will be at the show. Yeah, I'm working um, to six that day. I'm getting off at six, so I'll meet there's you. There's like down three or there. four bands yeah. opening, so we got time. So I think it's going to be a long day. So it should be a good day. Yep. And um, people, remember, don't get, get drunk, drunk, get, get lumped, lumped up. up. Holy.